Welcome to Ready to Lead, a show that gives you, the leader, tools, tips, and insights you need to grow your team, your company, and yourself. Welcome back to another episode of Ready to Lead. My name is Richard Lindner. I'm your host, and joining me is your co-host, Jeff Mask. Hey, Jeff, how you doing? Great. Hello, everybody. Good to be with you. We are excited about today's episode. Today, we're going to be talking about the dreaded money conversation. We're going to be diving in. (laughs) How do you have conversations about raises and job titles and career development, whether whether you're an, an early stage, early career or new manager, or whether you're an experienced manager? These conversations feel a bit taboo, right? They feel a bit just awkward and 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 almost like uh, conflict. And we want to walk through some anecdotal stories. We want to walk through a process to, to have these conversations effectively to benefit both the company and the employee. So I want to dive right into it and, and really talk about why now? Like, why are these conversations harder than ever now? So Jeff, what are you seeing right now with, with kind of timing in and around compensation, raises, promotions? Like we're in a really weird time. Is now any different than historically for compensation and, and these conversations with team members? I'd like to say it isn't different, but the reality is it is. Why? Because, oh, funnel COVID. Lots of conversations that needed to happen before that maybe have been postponed have now ballooned and mm. have now the, the can has been kicked down the road. And, and we put ourselves in certain situations, either in prolonged delay or in avoidance or in ambiguity that has actually exacerbated an already difficult problem agnostic of, of a of a pandemic. And so yeah, I do think timing right now is it's I'm seeing this more and more with clients as well where they're trying to figure out how to how to best approach the subject, how to help their their leaders, how to help their employees have their conversations and have them with their people as well. So yes, the timing is I believe more painful than than Maybe ever that might be strong, but more painful than the last 10 years, let's say, because I believe the pandemic kind of kicked the can for certain situations with certain people. Yeah, I agree. I know I'm getting it from all levels here, right? I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm feeling it from members uh, of the team that report to me at, a, at an executive level. I'm hearing it from director levels. And uh, again, I, I want to find a different way to a different... Um, descriptor for this, but mid-level managers, I, I super hate that term, but it, it is the only one I know to describe the the, the category of managers that I'm, that I'm talking about. And, and I definitely know that a lot of our, our individual contributors and team members are having the conversation. And, and I think going back to, heck, a couple episodes ago, where we kind of talked about a post-pandemic or a pandemic-affected workplace, because post-pandemic is, I mean, are we post-pandemic? Who knows? Right. Um, if you think back in that in that episode, we talked about the Great Resignation, right? How what's being dubbed the 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 Great Resignation, more people, more more team members and employees have resigned and left than any other time in history, kind of in the first or second quarter of of twenty twenty one. Now, um, thinking about that, right? Why? Well, for the same reason. If you look at if you look at what was going on then, we talked about this in that episode. Team members that were thinking about leaving, had decided they were leaving, were in an interview process, 
all that went to a hold, whether it was there was no more open to hires on the jobs they were looking at, whether they didn't feel comfortable leaving kind of a a, a safe role that they had now because everything was up in the air when this thing started. Um, so the, the employee decided to stay. Now you look at the companies, right? And companies fell into a couple of buckets. It was, uh, there were a lot of companies that, that frankly used the, the start of the pandemic to exit team members that they'd wanted to for a while, right? Just at, uh, whatever your feelings are about that, there are companies that, that definitely did that. Now, there were other companies that did not exit anyone because it was a pandemic and because they care about their, their team members and their reputation. So if you think of all of these things, um, the team member, the company, no matter which side they fell into, and now we get into the first, let's call it relief, right? the first relief period that we felt kind of uh, a few months ago. That's when employees started leaving. That's when companies started making adjustments. But now we're on the other side of that. So on the other side of that, what are you left with? You're left with the people that you go, oh my gosh, I don't know what would happen if they left. Hmm. And that's when you start making bad decisions. You start making emotional decisions. You make decisions that logically seem sound in how do I keep this person? How do I make sure that this person doesn't go anywhere? How do I make sure they're valuable? And where I see our young managers and 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 our, our mastermind and our founders board groups and our, all the people that we're consulting with, what they're looking to do is, is, is one of two things, either throw titles or throw money at them. And look, I we believe that you should pay your people slightly above market, period. That's what we believe here. We believe that that we need to go out and attract the best talent. We need to retain the best talent. We need to develop the best talent. In order to do that, we believe that we should pay slightly above market and give opportunity. That's great. So I'm not saying don't pay your people. What I am saying is don't throw money outside of a salary band at people and think that's going to keep them. Don't throw titles inappropriately at money. So Jeff, I'm going to ask you a question. If you're a leader right now, right, and a team member comes to you and requests a, a, a raise or a promotion, and it's just inappropriate, it's not appropriate based on their skill or their salary band, how do you have that conversation? Let's start with the really, really hard one. Let's start with, like, how do you say no? <laughs> how do you say hey, no yeah. when you're scared to death they're going to leave? <laughs> Thanks a lot. Why can't yeah, I ask you get that question? one? <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's great. And, and just quickly to back up, you you referred to a term of, of young young leaders. Mm -hmm. We mean that by time in the chair yeah. of a leader or manager, not in age. Sure. Yeah, correct. Correct. Which is important because over time you, you learn the hard way of, ah, if only, if only I would have done that. And I think many of us listening right now have horror stories of what we've done inappropriately as leaders to try and having good intentions, but having significant unintended consequences that end up biting everyone in the butt. Many, That's many of us so the do too. <laughs> for example, <laughs> <laughs> both of us for sure have, have a laundry list of them. So to answer the question, what, what do you do when someone comes to you in your perspective at an inappropriate time asking for an inappropriate raise due to their expectations of more money because of X, Y, Z, but either 
the company isn't really growing, so it's not a time for us to, to provide it, or the person isn't growing, or the person has, hasn't developed or delivered the, the, the value and or the results that they committed to do. And they're saying, I believe I need this, just out of the sheer fact of, I need it. Either a personal need or, or, or what have you. I'm going to actually punt part of the question. Mm. I will answer directly, because I think it will be good to role play what that is. I want to back up yet again and help set the framework of why I believe this is such a broken conversation. Mm. This meaning promotions, raises, titles, and so forth. I believe when it comes to career progression paths, that we have intrinsically, for some reason, we've let it creep into a working culture that a progression path's responsibility lies solely on the shoulders of the company and more importantly, on the manager. I want to flip the script. I believe that therein lies much of the problem where we as employees assume that it's the company's responsibility to tell me what progression paths are there. And it's the manager's responsibility to tell me what I, what I should be doing and how I can get to the next level. And I, I, I think it needs to be flipped. I believe we as leaders need to coach and train and help our the people that are growing within our companies right from the get-go, what progression looks like and what it could be. And then we say, and this is a choose your own adventure opportunity for you. You get to create this. Because far be it for me to assume I know exactly where you want to go. I don't yeah. want to put and pigeonhole everybody in the, here's the progression path, the only way when that may not really suit your strengths. And that might, fr might frustrate you. So I help them see what are some potential options? What looks like a path you'd like to go down? Here's the problem why that doesn't happen. One, the individual doesn't know very often. And so they subconsciously default to the manager of the company to be the crystal ball for them. Or two, the company hasn't really thought through what progressions could potentially be. And so there's this really muddy middle ground where nobody really knows who owns it, who, who should be creating that. And so if we just right from the get-go as leaders say, look, we have different paths people can take. Here's different growth opportunities. Here's different titles. Here's different pay grades. But let's not dictate and prescribe what it should be for people. Let's ask people to opt in. Let's let them exercise their beautiful agency that they all have to say, I want to do that. Cool. Now let's go do it. So step one, number one, flip the script, help them see that it's theirs to call. It's theirs to declare. And, and then step two, we as leaders and companies create different options with them, but let them own it. Mm. When that happens, man, the engagement is so, so different. So I, I get that I'm punting the conversation. Okay. Punt yeah. it indefinitely, okay. but we got to start by flipping the script. So I'll tell you, you, you reminded me of a story. So my story is a little, a, a little odd, I guess. I'm, <laughs> I'm, as I sit here, uh, a partner in the scalable company, I started 14 years ago as an employee of a, mm -hmm. of a different company, of a company that looked very differently and, and earned equity and, and bought in and all kinds of crazy stuff. But my now business partner, when he was my former boss, I remember having a conversation with him and saying like, man, I just, I need more money. Which is how a lot of conversations start. I mean, in my mind, I, I did. <laughs> Frankly, I needed more money. And there were a couple of things he said. And, and, but the first one has stuck with me these 15 years, 14, 15 years. He said, it's not my job to come up with new and creative ways to pay you more money. 
Now, at first, I was like, I don't screw you. Like, yeah, screw, <laughs> I don't like. I don't care for the way that feels. It, it is your job. It is your job to come up with new and creative ways to make me more to pay me more money because I'm a really, really good employee. I was. I was right. So was he. And so are you. It's what Jeff's saying. It's not. It's not your job to come up with new and creative ways to pay your employee more money. It's not your job to come up with how they can be successful in their career progression. Don't go to like salary.com, find their job and look at the career development progression path and go, well, if they came in under junior engineer, then their next step is one of these three. And their next step is one of these three to assume that someone is in the career path now that they will be at the end of their career. I mean, that just, I don't, I don't know that that exists even 50% of the time right now, especially if you are early career position or hiring in your company. If it's someone early career, I mean, they're doing something right now. Have they done it for two other companies? One, are you the first? So what Jeff is saying is so true. And, and, and I think in the past, like, and, and this is one of the reasons why we, we do this. We believe that, that, you know, leadership hasn't necessarily pivoted and changed with the times in the past. It was a, it was a manual. It's like you, totally. you chose your career. There was an ap- apprentice level, whether you went through trade school or college or mentorship or all of the above, it was, it almost followed a trade progression. Like this is what you did. Now you got to, that is your right. career. At the end, you get a gold watch at retirement. Like this is what you're going to do. Now we're seeing people change careers multiple times and even much later in, in their you know career life, right? In, in their working mm-hmm. life. So mm-hmm. what you as a leader have to do is figure out what they want, right? Where they want to go. So I ask questions and, and when, I'm, when I'm leading, before we ever get to, I want more money, which everyone does, but when I'm, when I'm charged with leading someone, I try to figure out what they want. And, and believe it or not, most of them don't know. So you have to, it's not just, what do you want to be? Where do you see yourself in five years? Those are very surface level questions. It's what do you want your average day to look like in 10 years? What, like, what aspects of your job make you really happy? What, get, what gets you energy? Like what, what income level are you looking at? I'm starting to say within this company, as they answer the questions, what positions are here that would check the boxes of fulfillment for that person because alignment has to happen. Here, here, here's something that you're going to hate to hear. Someone's going to tell you something that you're going to know that quick. There's no way what you want is in line with what the company can give you, not this company. So in order for, for me to develop you as a person, I'm likely going to develop you out the door. That super sucks. But that doesn't mean they won't come back. Doesn't mean that you don't develop them because developing them in the areas that that they want towards the thing that they ultimately want is going to move them out of the company doesn't absolve you from doing that or make you a better, you know, member of the team or give like deploy your fiduciary responsibility if you don't develop that person. But having those conversations about how much money do you make? Like, do you want to lead a team? Do you want to be an individual contributor? Are, are you wanting to, to kind of clock in, clock out, start your day and, and, and leave it at the office? Like all of these things matter when you're talking about managing expectations. And once you know what they want, 
then your job is to help them identify skill gaps in where they're at today and what's required for them to get where they want. And that's how you lead people into the conversations. And once you do it the first time, saying no to a raise or saying no to a promotion is much easier because you've had the conversation about the skill gaps. You've had the conversation about where they have to grow in order to earn that opportunity. Right. So the first no is tough. It has to be no and here's why. So I'll kind of step in and answer a little bit of the question because it's just a natural progression here. You can only say no if you immediately follow that up with here's what uh, here's what it would take to get to yes. Now I say you. I right. said you can only say no. You should only say no if you're truly being a, a, a responsible leader. You should only say no, and not no. And here's why: no, and here's what it would take for that no to change to a yes. So why don't we come up with a plan on what it looks like to get you there? Beautiful. And that no is so much easier if you've built it on a foundation of clarity of what growth looks like. Mm-hmm. And where that progression path is, and that the onus starts on the shoulders of the of the teammate, period. Because when when it's not discussed initially, and people aren't sure where and why and when, then it's man, the company is stingy or they're greedy or man, I, I'm just stuck and I can't progress. And they haven't t- showed me what I, what I can do and what my pro- progression path is. They 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 them 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 us them us them problem. But when you start with, here's how we create this together, here's how we own this together, and you help extract from the person what is their desire, what is their genius, what do they like to do? Again, 80% of the problem is the people typically don't know what they want. And if they do know, they haven't articulated it. So here's a quick story. I was at a Fortune 20 company. I was, I'll just say it. I was with Pfizer. I was... I had been there a year or so. I was loving corporate America, funny enough. Um, funny that I say that now, I should say. And I was like, I, I do want to progress. I, w- I want to advance. And I had a moment where I did some good things and was like, oh, this is great. And I went back to headquarters in New York City. I was in Manhattan and I was with a senior vice president. We had a one-on-one meeting. And I just, I wanted to ask him a couple of questions. And one was, what's the most effective way to progress here at Pfizer? And what, what, what do you recommend? And, and I, I kind of understood part of the equation knowing, I don't think anyone's going to tell me you need to do this, though there were tons of different options, but I didn't know quite what it looked like. So I asked him and he gave me the best answer. He said, good question, because too often we as human beings assume that our managers know what we want. But there's so many different paths people can take, you, you can't assume. So number one, declare your future of where you want to go. And just let people know, this is what I'd like to do. And number two, you now go back and you personally fill in the means to justify that end. Go create the value for the company. But so, so let's replay that. Number one, don't assume people know what you want. And so he put it back on me to say, go, go figure that out. And I was like, oh yeah, I do kind of need to say that. But we don't too often because we don't want to sound greedy. We don't want to sound prideful or we're just frankly scared and we don't know that yet. That's okay. Call it out and then go get to work and figure out a plan. And that's where, back to your point, Richard, you then work with your manager to say, hey, here's where I'd like to go. What needs to be true in order for that to happen? What skills do I need to, to, do I need to develop? What do I need to further hone in on? What department should I be in? And then it becomes a really cool process. Then 
when someone comes and says, I think I'm ready for a raise, you can go back on the plan you've co-created to say, okay, let's check it out. If you've created the great plan, that question doesn't come up yeah. because they know where they stand. There's total transparency. There's total ownership. They know who's owning what by when. And you've got a much better path and you help people stay engaged. So what if though someone comes to you, now I'm gonna ask you the question, Richard, okay. and says, well, I just, I want this title. Mm. Yeah. I, I want this promotion. What, what, what do you do then when someone's super married to a title Boy. for title's sake or promotion for promotion's sake? What, what I'll tell you as a, as a, as a newer leader, I was very quick to throw titles and promotions just to appease the person to retain them in the, in the, in that moment, only to l learn later that was the worst thing I could have done for everybody. So what would you do in that situation? If someone says, Hey, I want this title and they kind of, infer that or they kind of imply that or else yeah it's an ultimatum it, <laughs> or it, it's an right, implied exactly. ultimatum yeah and that's so scary right now so is it an it ultimatum is. and if an if a team member gives you an ultimatum like that's we that's a different conversation we're going to talk about that but i mean that's just not culturally that's that's a problem but make sure that you're not hearing an ultimatum i think the 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 heaviness of, of leading people right now, the heaviness of the money conversation, the heaviness of the career conversation always, but, but especially right now as an early career leader, even if you're late career, but early leader, or you didn't ever intend to lead people and look, here you are. That feels very heavy. And it feels like if I don't do this, they will leave. That is not leading from a place of, 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 of power. That's not leading from a place of confidence and, and you will make decisions and put things or, or a little extra zip on the words that were, were used, right? So the first thing is be self-aware. Break it down and make sure that you're clearly understanding what they're asking for. The second thing is realize that, to me, ask why. Like, I've had, I've never been a title person. Like, titles have never really mattered to me at all, which makes sense. I'm very entrepreneurial. I, I, I haven't taken the traditional or the corporate route that's, that's never been mm -hmm. attractive uh, to me though I want to make sure people have the correct titles who work for me, right? And I didn't though. I didn't. So it's tough to understand if you're not um, if you're not motivated by title, if that does not matter to you, like it didn't matter to me, it's very difficult to understand someone who's motivated by them. And if you don't care about them, it's also easy to be like, yeah, you're awesome. You're the you're vice president of of the Western quadrant. That's great. Chief ninja of this. Oh man, uh, don't get me started okay. on ninjas. <laughs> and, yeah. But here's the problem. You give away a title like it has no value. But it does. Right? It does. So most people self-identify by the work they do at some level. Most people mm -hmm. want to become better at the work that they do. So what do you do? You search your title. Right? Search your title. Right. You search your title and what comes up first? Compensation. Salary associated. Salary. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I'll tell you a story. We had a person come in that was an amazing team member that was on a great trajectory that had a massive impact, had a great attitude, was very well or very coachable uh, and was growing rapidly. And as they were growing, the value that they were, they were owning for the company was growing. So both the thing that they owned and the company's growth path were on the same level, which is very important. So this was a very valuable team member. And they came in a little early 
and 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 wanted to have this conversation and I gave him the title. I gave him a director level title. Now a couple things happened. One, over the next few weeks, this this person became unengaged. They went from the most engaged to unengaged. They went from just an amazing attitude to to fairly blah attitude, you know, just not a not not at all the their previous self. They went from and just checking real fast. If you're listening, try and guess why this disengagement occurred. Keep going. Yeah. They went from having a massive impact and and owning and driving results at the company to flat or or going backwards in the areas of ownership. And it was weird and checking in like, hey, is everything okay? I'm doing all the things that that a caring responsible leader does anything going on everything all right you know at home is there anything I can help with like just assuming that what can't possibly be here i just made them a director now i didn't give them the compensation i just gave them the title but that's what they wanted perfect win-win right yeah you can be a director you can be a <laughs> vice president for all i care so it could because be after all titles didn't mean anything to you didn't didn't mean anything to me um it couldn't, couldn't be work. There's no way that this person is having this response to something that's bad here. Everything is great. They're a director now. Well, a week or so later of everything's okay. And then finally the email hits my inbox. Compensation for my new role. After doing some research online, here's the compensation, the average salary for a director of this. Here's mine. As you... Uh, we'll see. There's a large gap between <laughs> the average median salary and my current compensation. Ah, here we go. So I gave them this title thinking, because they asked for it, even said, like, I, I just really think I've earned this title, which is, which is dangerous. I've earned this title. I don't need the compensation yet, but, but I think it's appropriate for me to have the title. Both of those things were wrong. So having to walk back that conversation and sit down with that person and say, okay, you looked at the salary. Did you look at the roles and responsibilities? Let's pull some of these things up. Let's look at the roles and responsibilities. Let's look at, at the experience. And let's say you matched a, a salary to a title, but did you match the, the, the roles and responsibilities, the ownership and accountability to your average day? And when we looked at that, they hadn't earned the title. They had worked hard. They were on their on the on track to earn the title. This person ultimately left the company, not right away, but this was the 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 moment that I could put a pin in, in in that timeline where they never really recovered. The trust was never rebuilt. There was resentment, and that person left. And I firmly believe that person could have been a long term high performance individual that we stayed in alignment with growth for a very long time. I broke that by giving them what they wanted because I gave them what they wanted that had no real value to me, but instantly changed them and made them feel underappreciated. It did the opposite of what I wanted. I gave it to them because to them it was important and I did it because it would make them feel appreciated. When they saw the average compensation, they not only felt unappreciated, they felt taken advantage of. But they didn't take the extra step to go in and say, am I actually doing the job or did I just get the title? I had to do right. that. I had to do it. I should have done it ahead of time. What I should have done was so said, you said, oh, go ahead, Jeff. 
I'm sorry. I just, I'm, I love what you're saying. Cause you said st- when someone comes to you and says, Hey, I need this promotion. I need this title. Mm-hmm. You said back up a little bit. First, first step as a leader is be self-aware. Yeah. What, what am I what, feeling? What's the energy they're coming from? Yeah. What am I feeling? Like, like make sure I'm not there. And then step two, clarify why, why do they want it? And ideal, ideally what's happened is you you're building it based off of something you've created together. But if not, in the absence of clarity, and as we talked about in the previous ep- a couple of previous episodes ago, the three keys to winning, if there isn't the clarity of the role with mm-hmm. the defined success and the time frame, clarity is how you work and clarity about goals. Without that, people are going to be reaching for all sorts of titles and promotions. But see, then, then in the moment, you, you were self-aware and you said, hey, okay, okay I'll, I'll do this. But because titles didn't mean anything to you, you're like, sure, throw it, no, no big deal only to create a whole much, a, a much bigger problem. And now in hindsight, you're now self-aware yet again saying, ah, and you're looking in the mirror going, no, I did that. that yeah. was, I, I did that. <laughs> so yeah. painful, but it happens. It happens with, with all, I, I would, I, I typically like to stay away from all and ever and never and always, but I would say problems like this happen with all leaders. <laughs> It's the logical lie, right? We tend to make it, right. It it is the, it's the recognition and reward that costs nothing. And it happens out of, out of a good place. So uh, not all people make it, but when you can logically arrive to the decision on how this is a win-win, it's understandable why so many people make it. But here's what I should have done. When, when this person came to me and said, I believe that I've earned this. I believe that it is appropriate for me to have this director title. And there was there were even other logical reasons like when I'm reaching out to these people, our organization doesn't have the depth that they have, so my role at their organization would put me as a peer, but my current title doesn't make me look like a peer. Very logical. They were right as right. well. Like right. if you were to stack our smaller organization up against a larger organization, their title although they'd likely have far more direct reports, their title would not be the title it was because there would be further organizational depth. So what they were saying was in order to, 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 to be not only respected by my peers, but to have the conversations with my peers that I need to have in order to, to outside of this organization, in order to grow what I own, I need to be seen by them as a peer. So all of these things were logical, right? Had I stepped back then and said, okay, let me understand one, why you're asking for it. Two, what that role should do. Because here's the other thing that happened. They did have conversations with people that they considered their peers, and we did not strengthen or develop a strategic partnership with that organization that they were speaking to. Why? Mm -hmm. Because they weren't thinking the same way as their peers were. Because their peers, quote unquote peers, actually had been in that role and were delivering that role. They had that title. They weren't actually doing the role that the title justified. They weren't thinking about the same thing that someone in that role was. So when they had a conversation with who they deemed to be their peer, this person said, something's not right here. I don't actually believe this person's my peer. It was, they lost credibility. Our organization lost credibility. It, it, it is actually one of the most dangerous things you can do. So I should have said, let me understand the real why behind what they want. 
Do they want to be important organizationally? Is this a worth or a value thing? Do they want more money? Do they want right. to do they want to strengthen their resume? That happens a lot. Like the person that works for you now isn't going to work for you forever. Right? They employees are allowed to think about their career progression outside of your organization. And and you just kind of need to accept that. I should have gone in and looked at that title and walked through it with them. Or or more importantly, more importantly, the experience leader now, what I would do is say, let's say it was Jeff, and Jeff said, Hey, I'd like to be I'd like to be the director of whatever. I think I've earned it. I think it's appropriate. I would say, Jeff, man, you're a valued employee. I want to, uh, yes, like, let's figure out what that looks like. I'll be honest. I don't know what that role entails. So here's what I think first step on figuring out if that is the next appropriate step would be for you to come back and give me that job description. Go find that job description Go find what what the experience level is. Go find what the 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 roles and responsibilities are, and then let's look at those and make sure that it's actually appropriate and it's actually what you want. And let Jeff right. go and do that work and come back. And then when Jeff presents it and say, "Here's what I found," say, "Okay, after your research, do you still believe what you said initially that it is appropriate and and you've earned it?" And and a bigger question: Do you want that? That's what I should have done. Beautiful, beautiful. Think think of the pain we can avoid when we get the clarity up front, right? Yeah, exactly. And what 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 comes to me that I've heard this many times. I think we need to underscore here is this thought, and this is a writer downer in my opinion. If you're if you're driving, don't write it down. But if you're, if you're listening and you can write this down, here's what I really want leaders to take away from this right now. Teach the principle of patience for promotions and raises, but impatience for growth. Ooh. And separate the two. Because too often we can be impatient for, I want this promotion, I want this raise, I want this title. And, and people go after the title and the raise for the title and raise sake, robbing themselves of the growth and the maturity and the just the value that they can create for themselves. And, and instead, teach growth, teach opportunities. What, what can they do to level this up or have this muscle strengthened or have this capacity enabled? Wow. Because they're, they're going to be so much more valuable over time, both in your company and in their lives and other companies, if they learn the principle of, it's all about impatience for growth and, and patience for titles and promotions. Because why? Titles and promotions come when you're growing, when you're adding value. But when you mistakenly replace growth with a band-aid of a title and or yeah. extra pay, you stagnate yourself and there's apathy that gets created all unintentionally and all subconsciously. That's the danger of it. So well, let's talk I about wish I would that, have learned that, that third one. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And I love that. Impatient on growth. Wow. That's big. So we talked about kind of career development and that career path and, and, and really putting the onus back on at least, at least sharing the ownership of that with the team member. Like they have to say mm -hmm. what growth looks like for them. Then it's your job to now step in and, and help figure out what does that growth pack look, path look like? What's the, what's the skill and knowledge gap? What's the experience gap? Are there other areas within the company that you would need to have a, a deep understanding of before you could, you could earn this? 
we talked about job titles and how like someone's going to research their job title. So make sure that the pay is appropriate within a salary band. Make sure that the the roles and responsibilities are appropriate. So don't give someone a job title that they're not doing the job for, right? That's incredibly dangerous. Talked about how to have those totally. conversations. The third thing you mentioned that we haven't really talked about is just money. Give me more money. I want more money. I don't even care. You can call me the head garbage sanitation disposal <laughs> janitor officer. You can call me the idiot that works in the corner. You can call me. I don't care. You don't have to call me my name. Just give me more money. That's one that that is a little bit more difficult to deal with. And especially when you're talking about someone that is a key individual and a performer and they're asking for something that, that maybe um, is outside of, of the salary band of what they're doing. How do we have the money conversation? Because career development seems difficult and having to figure out where someone goes and what their, what their path in the company is. Job titles seem difficult. But if you're saying, I don't want any of that stuff, I just want more money. And a, a manager can fall into the trap of, I got to give this more person more money or they're going to leave. Yeah. And yep. that can be dangerous too. How do we talk about just money? The three C's. Okay. Care. So care, clarity, and consistency. So I'll break them down. First one, care is being able to have a tough conversation in the moment versus what people need just to appease them. That is selfish. When we can't have a hard conversation because quote unquote, we need to be liked or we're, we're a nice person or we don't want it, whatever. Mm -hmm. that is not caring about the individual. So you've got to care and love them enough to be able to, to have a clarifying conversation and give them total transparency versus ambiguity and or placating stuff by saying, oh, here's what you need in the moment. Dodge that bullet for the next six months. So care about the individual, see them for who they can become, not who they are, and develop them accordingly, number one. Number two, clarity. Give clarity around what is needed in order to achieve a certain revenue or uh, income target. Tell them, it goes back to the three keys to winning of what's the role, what does success look like, by when, what are the goals that we need to accomplish, what's the revenue tied to that to, to, to actually justify whatever income they're looking for. When we've been clear on foundational principles, we avoid a lot of these other awkward conversations. These awkward conversations are byproducts of not having really clarifying conversations from the get-go. So if that's you and you're like, ah, I'm in the moment, I haven't had a clarifying conversation, then just fall on your sword and say, you know what? My bad. I haven't done a good job of clarifying what it would require in order to earn more income in this particular role. Let's mm. let's do that together. And just, just own it and say, that's totally on me. And I apologize for that. But let's move forward more clearly. So that, that's it on clarity, making sure they're really clear on how that income is generated or how they can receive it based on what they what results they have. Then the last one is consistency. You've got to have, there's danger and precedent set when you give people raises. And if you just do it willy-nilly, if there's no system and there's no process around compensation conversations, boy, it, it gets so messy so quickly. And, and favoritism can creep in, either perceived or real. And if it's perceived, it is real meaning in their mind, right? You may, you may in your mind have zero favoritism, but if someone else perceives that and, and person A gets a raise and person B doesn't, and there's no clarifying reason as to why, favoritism. And, and so create pay bands, create percentage increment that you'll give 
if you set a precedent that you give a raise of 10% within this time frame, and you don't clarify what time frame that is, then guess what you've just done? Pavlov's dogs are now, I shouldn't say that. We're not saying our, our employees are dogs, but the psychology is there in that there's a trigger. And if you do something without clarifying how that's earned and by when, then they're going to start to think, okay, every six months, great. That's one of the reasons why yes. annual and quarterly reviews can be dangerous because people have now associated reviews with pay increases. Careful, hmm. create the consistency and let people know here are times when raises could potentially be, be in the equation if A, B, and C are present, but not always, but those are times when we can have the conversation. Avoid all the awkward, out of the blue, hey, I need this at this time by just having the three Cs. Care about them by having the conversation. Create the clarity of exactly how and create the consistency so everyone's on the same page. The fairness is there. That's how you create a great culture in this conversation. Otherwise, it's just dodging one bullet after a neck and you're just hoping and avoiding the conversation because let's be honest, leaders are typically the last ones to come to the person about pay raise. It's typically the employee and they're, they're hoping not to have to, and they're wishing in their wildest dreams that their employer would come to them and say, it's time. But that happens when there isn't clarity. Yeah. And I'll tell you, no by the time your team member or employee brings up a raise, they have been internalizing that and thinking about it. And today's the day I'm going to talk about it with them <laughs> for months. Right. So to They've you, rehearsed it with their partner a few times, right. with their family, with their best friend. Yeah. Oh, totally. <laughs> yeah. To you, it's a brand new thing. To them, your response has a buildup of months, weeks, however long in the making, because it has been something sure. that they have just been like working through forever. So here's what I'll tell you. Everything Jeff said is is right on. And if you're hearing, if you're listening to this right now and you're like, okay, so before I have a pay raise, I need to go back and review all the the, the or all the, the job descriptions and create salary or pay bands and then establish what it would look like. What are the milestones on on what does it look like to be at the low end of the pay band, the, the middle of the pay band, the high end of the pay band? How often do we have reviews? What are the triggering events for raises? Go back and have all these conversations. That's a process that every company should do and you need to get installed. But if you're sitting here right now and you go, holy crap, I've got an employee. I've got a team member that wants more money. What do I do? Here's what I would tell you. I would align what they do and what they want to how the company receives value from their role. Right. Period. Right. How does the company grow or receive value from the role that they do? What aspect of their role leads into your value engine, your 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 value creation process, your business model, your key success metrics, the things that will increase the value, revenue, whatever of the company. Like your job, if you only did one thing, was to hone in on that, right? Mm -hmm. Hone in on that and say, okay, let's figure out how we can get you more valuable to the company. Now, let me, let me unpack that a little bit. We will never be paid what we're worth. Jeff, I'm going <laughs> to look you in the eyes right now and say, you will never be paid what you're worth. I can see myself because we're in a video uh, podcast recording device here, you, Richard, will never be paid what you're worth. You need to, to, to pull apart your worth and your value. They're two different things. Your value is the role that you do 
how well you do it, and how valuable it is to the company. If the company receives no value from your role, then, then maybe you need to be at a different company. But your job as a leader is not to give people more money. Your job as a leader is to make people more valuable to the company so that they can't help but earn more money. That's how money is earned. That's your job. So if you don't know and, and if you aren't coaching your people on what they do that adds value to the company, then you're just asking the company to pay more money to someone so that they'll stick around and do things that may not be all that valuable. Or maybe you're indexing and, and, and rewarding them on just be more productive, Get, own more, do more. What if it's do less of everything else and do more of this one thing because this is how you become more valuable at this company? Those are the conversations you have to have. If you're listening to this right now, have, I would ask you this. Does every person that report do the one thing they do that adds more value to the company than anything else they do on a daily, weekly, monthly, annually basis or annual basis? Great question. If they don't know that, you're failing as a leader. If they don't know that, they don't know how to be more valuable so the company's metrics change. Change the freaking calculation. If the salary band is this, that's the salary band, but there's exceptions to every rule. If someone is producing exponentially more value in the role they are, bust the band. Mm -hmm. Give them more money. Give them the ownership of figuring out how to become more valuable to the company so that you can give them more money. Not how do you sell it to the company? How do you give them a different title? How do you put them someplace else? How do they become more valuable to the company so that they can earn more money because the company earns more from them? That's your role as an individual contributor. That's your role as a leader. That's your role as an entrepreneur. If you want to grow the value of your company, make sure everyone understands how they add value to the company. They understand the company's, the way the company grows. They understand the business model. They understand what is critical in the growth and how they contribute. And if they increase that ownership, and they re or they increase that aspect and they take true ownership of it, pay them for it. And if they're not doing it because you didn't tell them, then it's your fault, not theirs. So again, your job as a leader is to make your people more valuable to the company, not to give them more money. If they become more valuable, you won't be able to help but give them more money because the equation will have changed. There's a difference between... I'm afraid they'll leave and I don't know what that means. So we should give them more money and I'm afraid they'll leave. And if they leave, this critical aspect that has been growing with hockey stick style growth because of their ownership would flatten or maybe even go backwards, you can easily put a value on that. And it doesn't have to be a raise. Like that's the other thing I'll just tell you. We as, as leaders, as managers, think inside of a box on compensation. Like sometimes people do something that doesn't justify a raise. It doesn't justify a promotion, but it justifies a little booyah, a little <laughs> bonus, a little something because they went above and beyond. If you are good at that, if you're good at recognition and reward, people don't ask for raises as often. If you do not acknowledge people, if you do not reward them for an individual effort that they go above and beyond, they're keeping score. 
they remember it all. And they're going to ask for that in a form of consistent compensation. Maybe $1,000 saves them asking for $15,000 a year. And not only saves them asking for it, it's way more appropriate because of the one thing they did. Now, if they're consistently doing that every month, then maybe instead of giving them $1,000 a month, you give them a $12,000, $15,000 raise. But don't give a $15,000 raise when you should have given a $1,000 good job. So that's, I'll get off my soapbox now. I know I got a little ranty there at the end. <laughs> I love the passion. So, so bringing it back home, to answer the initial question that you that you asked, when commonly when people are asking for that raise, that promotion, how do you say now? What do you actually say if you haven't performed the three C's mm -hmm. of having the care and the clarity and the consistency, and you haven't developed that? Then what I answer is I fall on my sword and say I'm to my bad. I have I have totally failed in this in this example of just not giving the clarity. Otherwise, you wouldn't be asking for this. And my bad. Let's create what this role looks like and what would justify a raise. Because I want you to feel productive. I want you to feel valuable. But I've done a poor job as a leader in defining what that looks like. And to your last point, Richard, it's all about them understanding what value means to the business and where they can directly affect that every day. When people know that without having to go to someone else of am I valuable or not, when they can measure that on their own, it's critical to employee engagement and value and long-term retention of help, having the best people on our teams. So, and then if I have had that conversation and they're asking, then we can revisit their growth plan that we've co-created to say, where do we stand on it? Mm -hmm. Much easier conversation when you do the work initially. But boy, do the work. And it's all about caring for people. And so we've got some resources in the show notes as well of, of engagement. One of them is Pat Lencioni's uh, The Truth About Employee Engagement, a few really good models in there that are super helpful. I, I also recommend Liz Wiseman's book in particular, The Part of Genius Watching to find out what makes people really tick and gives them the energy they need when they're doing great work, make sure they're in, the, in that right role and so forth. So great, great show notes. What we want to invite you to do at the end of this session is Look at where you can improve as a leader of having these clarifying conversations to help people feel value and feel valued in the business. Richard, any last last parting words from you? I'll leave you with a, with a short story. So about a month ago, we had a team member that had had was looking to, to switch in, in switch roles, basically switch careers from one very specialized industry or position to another. And they were really good at it. Like we put them through a training process. They were really, really good at it. And we were closing down the role that they had owned. We were no longer going to have that internally. It was going to be, it was going to be a, a, a role that we, we leveraged a service for. And this person was really, really good. I mean, showed unknown talent and, and instinct in this new role. And we offered them the role and told them what, what the continued training would look like, told them what a salary would look like, told them our hope for them and a timeline. And this person showed the most emotional intelligence I've seen in a very long time. And it not just showed the intelligence, but but the way they said it made me know that this episode and the things we're saying are, are accurate and true. They said they came in, they resigned. After accepting the role for a day, they came back and resigned and said on their last day, came in my office and said, hey, I just want to say thank you. And also, I wanted to let that I appreciate all the opportunity. And ultimately, 
I'm leaving because the thing that I am uniquely skilled at is no longer valuable at this company. And that doesn't make this company right and me wrong. And it doesn't make me right and this company wrong. It just means that it's inappropriate for this company to pay me for something that that isn't valuable to its business model. I have to go find a company to where it's critical. The skill that I have is critical and crucial to their business model. I did not lead this person to that. That was all them. But you better believe that because of them, I lead everyone else to it to make sure they clearly understand their skill set, their native genius, the thing that they're good at, and and what area that affects in the company. And we're clear that here's the area that needs to be affected for you to grow alignment. Here is how our company grows, our business model, our value creation model, our critical processes. I would challenge you to do the same thing because if someone knows what is important and critical at the company, they can decide whether they can grow into that, they can affect that, or they can't. And it'll save you a lot of, just a lot of of time either way. It's way easier to develop if they know and you know. It's way easier to have the conversations of exit if it's mutually beneficial. And, And you know, like, you're right. We don't value your skill but other companies do. I don't, I don't mean to say value. We don't, we, it is not a critical aspect of our value creation process, the thing that you are good at, but there are companies that it is. Maybe you, maybe your role in them is to help find that company, right? So if you've listened to this episode, I would just urge you to go back and have those conversations. Make sure that everyone who reports to you understands how they add to the critical value creation process, the the crucial business model of your company. Because if they understand that, they understand how to become more valuable. And if they understand how to become more valuable, it's easy to give them more money because they've earned it. Awesome. Great. Well, thank you, Richard. Awesome. Thank Thank you, everybody, for leading. Keep leading powerfully. All right. If you have any questions, if you have any feedback, if there's anything we can support you on, uh, please send us an email. Feedback at readytolead.com. If there's something that you're struggling with, we want to help. If there's uh, feedback on how we can make this show better, we want to hear it. So that's it for today. We'll see you next episode. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the Ready to Lead show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a rating on your favorite podcast platform. And if you want to stay updated on the release of new episodes, be sure to hit that follow button. And Jeff and Richard, they want to hear from you. If there's an episode topic you'd like to hear them dive into, or something about today's episode that was a big breakthrough, or maybe even something you disagree with, they want to know, send them an email at feedback at readytolead.com. Thanks again for tuning into this episode. We'll see you on the next one.